when Lumpur Sumato first came to Wat Bapong and met Lumpur Cha, he asked him what kind of meditation he'd been practicing. Up to that time, both when he was uh, in the Peace Corps in Borneo and then during his retreat time in Nongkai, he'd been using a particular meditation method that he'd learned from a book of Chan teachings by Venerable Master Shu Yun. This is a, a particular method of meditation that involves investigation, the using a particular question. Uh, the uh, young Bhikkhu Sumato had got a, a lot of very beneficial results from this practice, but uh, he was pretty sure that Ajahn Chah would say, well, stop doing that. But, uh, you've got to, if you're going to be here, you've got to practice the Ajahn Chah method instead, whatever that might have been. But to his surprise, Ajahn Chah simply asked him, are the results good? And he said, yes, I find it very beneficial, very insightful. And to his amazement, Ajahn Chah simply said, well, carry on doing that. He asked him later whether he'd ever heard of that kind of practice before. And Ajahn Chah said, no. Never heard of it, but uh, you've been using it, you've seen the results for yourself, so it's up to you. Now this particular method is something that Lumpur uh, Sumato taught here in the West in later years. and is a helpful, direct way of supporting particularly the insight into not-self, into anatta. When the mind is as quiet as possible, say, focusing the attention on the inner sound, listening to the, the nada, the inner sound, or focused on the, the rhythm of the breathing. The attention is steady, firmly grounded. So there's a quality of focus, stillness, spaciousness. The attention resting in the present. Then within the space of the mind, within that open space of attention, introduce a question. The question that Lumpur uh, Sumato uh, would use from the teachings of Master Shu Yun was a simple question, who am I? Who 
Who am I? Now the purpose of this kind of a question is not to come up with a conceptual answer. It's not a matter of remembering your name or coming up with a definition. But the purpose of the question is to interrupt the habitual self-creating habits, patterns of eye-making and mind-making. It's to break up that habit, not to just create a new habit. And when we're paying attention to the present, the mind is spacious, awake, open. And we bring that question in, invite that question in. Who am I? Then we watch. When that question is posed for a moment, if we pay attention, there's a hesitation. Something in the heart recognizes that a conceptual answer, a name, or a thought, isn't it. There's a gap, a pause, a hesitation before the conceptual answers come flowing in, before they arise. So the point of this kind of practice, this kind of questioning, is to create that interruption, that hesitation, to open up the curtains, as it were, to open up that gap, and to let the attention rest in that spacious, awake, unconstructed presence. And the mind is clear, still awake, and that question is asked, Who am I? Let the attention stay with that pause. The unconstructed, unformed quality. Because in that moment, the thinking mind has been tripped up. It's like the camera being turned back onto the photographer. The thinking mind, the self-creating mind, trips up, falls over its own feet, hesitates. And in that moment, the, the mind is awake, attentive to the present, but the sense of I, me and mine, is interrupted, caught in the light. So the point of the practice, then, is to Notice that hesitation, that pause, that interruption to train the attention to stay with that. They say that the question is the head and then the space after it is the tail. So we pay attention to the tail. 
The point is not the question. The point is the, the space that opens up when the question is asked. So we can bring that, that kind of question to mind. Who am I? Who am I? If it's just a repeating of the words, it doesn't have an effect. There has to be a sincere asking and inquiry. That's the, the fuel in the system. It's not just a matter of repeating the words like a mantra, who am I, who am I, who am I, who am I. But if there's a sincerity, an interest in the question, who, who am I? Then that's the, the fuel which enlivens the, the practice genuinely opens up the, the attention to the reality that lies beneath the, the veneer, the skin of, of thinking and self-creating, that which is behind the curtains. So we bring the attention then. Use a meditation concentration object, a meditation object like the nada sound, just to let the mind be spacious, awake, open. And in that open space, just drop the question, plant it there in the center. Who am I? And then watch, feel. No. What's the quality of experience when that eye-making, mind-making is interrupted, when it falls apart? Even if it's just for half a second. Notice, just like the curtains opening for half a second. We can know what's behind them. We can see the truth of what's been there in the background all the time, but which hasn't been noticed because of the, the covering of eye-making, mind-making, the habits of self-view. Now the question itself is not sacred or special. Sometimes uh, as you start to use this kind of practice, just the word who itself seems ridiculous. The heart intuits, it's, it's not a who. That implies some kind of permanent personhood. So sometimes as you develop this, it, the word who just doesn't work anymore. So you can use the question, what? What am I? What am I? And similarly, as this is developed, you explore that, use that as a way of levering open the, the space of, of the mind, opening up that gap. You might notice that even the word I starts to sound 
ridiculous, weird, presumptuous, meaningless. It's not an I. It's a, it's a this. What is this? Well, we can use uh, our own imagination, our own creative skills to, say, use a variety of questions or ways of inquiring. Because the point is not the words of the question. The point is the space that is opened up when the question or the statement challenges our patterns of thinking, challenges the habits of mind, the presumption, the preconceived beliefs, attachments that the mind has. But the words, the head uh, of it is not the crucial thing, it's the tail that really matters. The words are just there to open up the space. The important thing is the tail, that quality of awakened realization, that quality of knowing, free of self-view, free of conceit, self-view of sakayaditi, and the deepest conceits of asmimana. That's the point, is to realize the nature of Dhamma itself. Seeing Dhamma, knowing Dhamma, being Dhamma. When those habits of self-view, conceit, fall away, that's the point. The words of a question, a statement, they're the tools, they're like the... the uh, the levers that we use to get the tire off the rim of the wheel, like a tool to, to get in the gap and open it up. The words are just a tool to open up the space. The realization of that spaciousness, that selfless, awake, aware, Perfectly peaceful, tranquil, free. That quality is what it's for, the realization of that quality. So whatever words work to open up that spacious, awake presence, that's what we can use. It's not an intellectual exercise but rather it's an exercise to help the mind to know that which is beyond the intellect. Using, as the Buddha said, a thorn to dig out another thorn. We're using words or a concept to help the mind awaken to that which is beyond concepts, beyond words, beyond form. So it's not like repeating a mantra, but a sincere inquiry, a questioning, and exploring.
and realizing that open, spacious, peaceful, complete quality. To realize this, this is Dhamma realizing its own nature. That's what it's for. Let the Dhamma that is the nature of your mind, your being, know itself. And in that knowing, there's fulfillment, peacefulness, freedom, total ease. <laughs> 